Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Hey everyone, I'm your host Chris Sands, and today I'm actually at Four Score Beer Company, but we are joined by Matt Monahan, one of the owners of Other Half Brewing, and Mr. Sexy Voice himself, Jerez Ramirez, the director of experience. <laughs> Thanks for uh, spending some time with me, gentlemen. Wow. Good to be here. <laughs> we don't even want to say hi, Jerez. I, I do, but I'm blushing, sorry. Well, yeah, you told me to make sure I left in the part about how sexy your voice was, and I wasn't recording last time, so I wanted to make sure that I got it in for this episode. <laughs> so, Matt, what yes. uh, what were you doing before you started Other Half? What led up to that? Uh, I was a, a shift brewer at uh, Greenpoint Beer Works with my other partner sam richardson uh how long had you been brewing there i brewed there for a little over a year uh, with him how uh how did you get into brewing to to begin with was that something uh, you always were interested in or um actually my wife got me into beer um around 2005 um when when we met but I was a cook um, before I was a brewer, and okay. I brewed a lot of homebrew stuff uh, at night after after service was over. Um, the last I brewed with the pastry chef at the last restaurant I was at in in New York City late at night, and just sort of you know spiraled out of control from there, and you know made the jump from cooking to brewing. There's a uh, so wh- what was your first homebrew like? Was it drinkable? Was it no, good? No, it's terrible. Okay, good. Yeah. Because uh, everyone that tells me how good it was, I, I think they're lying to me. Yeah, they, they <laughs> definitely are. <laughs> yeah. Unless there's someone like the people who the first time they home brewed was with uh, is like seasoned home brewers. Then I can believe Guidance. them because, they yeah. yeah, they had someone helping them, holding their hand. But people who just try for the first time and then talk about how amazing it is, I don't believe a word they're saying. Yeah, I think that I, at one point I brewed a beer with um, – some smoked malt, a hundred percent smoked malt from Catoctin Distillery that they did with, you know, they smoked it with like a cast iron pan underneath, and it was pretty awful. I was, really gonna, awful. I don't like smoked beers to begin with. I don't either. And that what one, I was doing. that one sounds like it would be particularly disgusting. <laughs> it was really disgusting, <laughs> and I actually sent it to people. I'm like, this is <laughs> this is really bad, and so everyone that I sent that to when we were. Opening the brewery, I was like, I can't ask them for money. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't part of your pitch. <laughs> no, this is bad. So how, um, w- when you decided to go into professional brewing then, did you start doing that with the idea that you wanted to open your own brewery or did that come about as you'd already been brewing? I think it was more of um, anything that I've done previously. I've always wanted, <clears throat> the end goal was to always do it for myself um, you know, to be self-employed. So, you know, I, I didn't know how it was going to go. Um, I think I just got really lucky ending up at Great Point Beer Works uh, and meeting Sam. Um, we produced a lot of different beers for a lot of different breweries. So we got to run the gamut on styles, um, watching grain bills, 
um, hop bills, everything. So you, you could learn a lot there. Sam already knew a ton. He was the head brewer. And, you know, so everything I learned about brewing, I learned from him. So at what point or there did other half become an idea of that you were going to open? Um, probably within the first six months, um, oh, we so ended didn't, up, didn't take long at all. No, I mean, we ended up, um, you know, we have a third partner, Andrew Berman and, you know, he, I cooked with him for, for a couple years too. And I've known him for a while and, uh, it, you know, we initially thought that we wanted to do a brew pub. Okay. Um, and we quickly realized that the cost difference in opening a production facility versus a, a restaurant with production was totally, just night and day. We, there's no chance we were going to be able to afford a brew pub. Um, we did some pop-up stuff. Just when you add in the cost of all the kitchen Just to build equipment building or? restaurants is okay. expensive. Um, but we did, we ended up doing a, a a couple pop-up restaurants um, with uh, a group, like a group in New York called Coach Peaches that, that went really well. Uh, Sam was able to brew some uh, half-barrel batches on the pilot system at, at Greenpoint Beer Works. And, um, you know, that was some of the best beer that I have ever tasted. And it was better than anything we were making for other people. So it's kind of like a light went off, like, you know, we need to be doing this for ourselves. Um, and the 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 pop-ups went over really well. And we had beverage directors from well-known groups asking if they could get the beer and not knowing that it was, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, 15 gallon batches. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, that, that's all we needed sort of to keep the momentum going. What size uh, brew house did other half open with? Two vessel 15. Okay. And what are you up to now? Well, well, I guess first, um, at that original location, what are you brewing on? Uh, now it is a four-vessel, 30-barrel. Okay. And then how many locations are you up to? Uh, we brew uh, beer at Center Street, the original location. Um, we have a five-barrel pilot system at our Domino Park bar. Uh, we have a 10-barrel, two-vessel at our Finger Lakes location uh, where we do all the mixed fermentation. Uh, we have a three-vessel 10 uh, at Philadelphia uh, where we, we took over the old Goose Island there. Yeah. And then DC is a, um, a four-vessel 30 uh, with an oversized uh, louder. So you've grown a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. We're the kings of, of, of expanding and still installing undersized brew houses so <laughs> yeah for like how much beer you put out those probably are smaller than what you could potentially get by like really need so yeah i guess we, you're brewing a lot we do it the hard brewing often <laughs> correct a lot of turns of yeah. of of uh the brew deck yeah it wouldn't happen without the the teams we have in place in each spot so they really they make it all work and when did other half open um, we opened, uh, January 30th of 2014. We opened the doors. So it's also been very fast expansion too. Yeah, definitely. And it, and what, I, one of the things I find remarkable is that a lot of that happens during extreme economic uncertainty. Yeah. I mean, I mean owning a brewery, you always feel like it's <laughs> uncertain. <laughs> so it's, it's never not felt like that. Yeah. I think to us. Especially with the, uh, you know, the unbridled expansion um, over the last couple of years, especially through COVID. But yeah, it's definitely it's grown really fast, and you know, our, our 
I always say this, but our motto is just don't fuck it up. And so how, how many of those opened during COVID? Uh, DC did, Philadelphia did. Uh, Philly, not so, I mean, technically Philly did. Philly opened February of this year, but, you know, we opened DC in October of 2020. Yeah, so uh, solidly within. Solid, uh, you know, no indoor service. Um, and um, February. what's we doing? Yeah, February was Domino, was Domino. Uh, again, in, in New York City, you know, two of the most highly uh, regulated yeah, that's markets places where for masking and, and, yeah. and closure in the country. So, yeah, we had to pivot pretty quickly. So during that, so at one point you couldn't get your beer easily at all in Maryland. Then you started doing a lot of drops at Downtown Crown. Was that... Although that was happening before COVID took mm-hmm. place. Then, so that was, was that just kind of like getting the market ready for DC to open or was it just you had reached capacity at other places where you could afford to send beer out? No, I mean, we, we've always had a lot of respect for what those guys are doing. Um, you know, they, they came to us um, asking, you know, to carry the product yeah. and laid out a really great argument for carrying it. And, you know, it, it just happened to coincide with us being able to prime hopefully prime that market in DC for, you know, the DC location, which was two and a half years and to build out. Um, but you know, those guys, yeah, that moving beer with them would have happened regardless. They're just a a great, great outfit, great account, you know, great ownership. So they're really good at bringing in, well, I mean, just in general beer that people want, they have anything hot, they end up getting their hands on it. Hot hot or not. I mean, those guys just know, they know beer, Dave, um, who, you know, pretty much is in charge of that whole program, I think is one of the best in the business at, at keeping his finger on the pulse. Uh, let's take a real quick sponsor break. And then when we get back, we'll talk a little bit more about the beginnings of other half. Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, mom's spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday. Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs, delicious fruited sours, and robust porters and stouts. Idiom has a simple goal in mind, to bring people from all walks of life together, to enjoy themselves and each other. Whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy IPAs, or one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy, sour, or complex flavors, or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites, they'll have a little something for you. Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. So, Jarrah, are you afraid to let people hear your voice now? You don't want them to get too excited? You said uh, I was talking too much last time. So. Uh, I never said that. That is, uh, the, f- the comments to me were that you liked t- to talk, but they enjoyed your stories. Okay, good. <laughs> not that no one was sick of hearing you talk. Now it's just like awkwardly silent. I was waiting. 
Uh, where, where did the other, the name other half come from? Sam. Um, <clears throat> I think we sort of just always described it as being the other half of the industry. You know, when we opened, it was even more lopsided. Um, but, you know, we just felt like there was a, enough of a, of a demand out there and a group of people wanting something different than what they could find on a regular basis. So, you know, it, it, I wish it went deeper than that, but it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, it's better than there's been the cracking open matter days. That's the exact explanation I used. It was? Good. Mm-hmm. So it's good. You know the history. I, I, Probably better than I do. Facts. <laughs> um, you hear Ben slightly open more natter days in the background. Oh. <laughs> He's opening up a bottle of uh, Shandon Spritz. No comment. <laughs> He's ready. He's ready to party. It's only Tuesday. Yeah, yes. Love it. Next thing you know, four locos will be coming out. <laughs> um, so the is there? Do you have aspirations that you open even more locations, or is it kind of reached the point where, like, this is this is as big as we want to go? I think we have. Uh, almost a responsibility to sort of dial in what we've done. Uh, we did a lot in the last two and a half years. Yeah. Um, I think to do anything larger than what we've done would be crazy. Um, so yeah, we're really just focusing on you know, settle doubling, in for a little bit. Get- yeah, and doubling back even on on our Finger Lakes location, which was our second location. Um, you know, we honestly were looking to expand into Philly first. Uh, in, in 2015, we started talking about it. Um, but you know, Finger Lakes was an incredible opportunity, but you know, we're, we want to run back through and, and double back on all of the, uh, all the work we've put into establishing these locations. So you said Finger Lakes is where you focus on mixed fermentation. Mm-hmm. Is it all mixed from there or is there clean? No, they do. They do clean production there. Okay. Um, but we do mixed fermentation and spontaneous, uh, beers all, um, are produced up there. And if I remember correctly, it, you brew you don't brew the same beers at multiple locations or is that different now? or was i told wrong that no we we there are beers that get brewed across okay all locations for yeah, sure I, th- I didn't think that made sense at all when um, someone told me that you know we're working on streamlining production of, of of things um so that a majority of stuff will come out of one place okay uh, for consistency just so that when you when you when you crack a can you know what you're getting um so but yeah we we but we do brew the same beer sometimes yeah, less and only, less frequently. There's only so much you can do with water chemistry and things to. That's the make biggest thing. That's the, the hard, the hardest part is getting the chemistry right from the water. And I wonder, like, much larger craft breweries are able to do that pretty close. Like I'm thinking, like the Stones or like the humongous craft breweries. Do you? Th- is that because, like, even though, like. The, their beers are complex, but like another half hazy is way more complicated than like a stone IPA. Is it, does that add into it or is it just, I mean, uh, those guys, it's like two locations versus yeah, us trying to do yeah, it in four, you know, even five spots. It's, you know, you, you've got totally different systems, brewing systems, you know, different, different kettle styles and, um, you know, different water, um, different crews, you know, like one of the things we're trying to do <laughs> most, thanks, Ben. 
is dialing, you know, all the SOPs for, for all the spots so that, you know, uh, recipes are done by percentage um, so that these things translate across each location, regardless of the size of the system uh, or the water or, or anything else, any other variable. Yeah, that's a, I, I didn't think of that from, from that standpoint, because not only are many locate many locations in very different places with very different water sources that but also very different sized vessel and configurations efficiencies yeah. everything everything matters so just you know we're very fortunate to have the, the the team to iron that stuff out and and stone has like one of the biggest systems i've ever seen in my life too, so. the richmond one yeah, yeah. it's ridiculous yeah so it's all computerized they don't they got like two people working. We you have got, very, very we got, little automation. We got 37 anything. brewers. Like they got two. <laughs> right. And from what I understand, like they um, they wouldn't even be able to brew one. Like if you went there and wanted to brew one of your beers, you wouldn't even, the way their system's configured there, you, they wouldn't even be able to do it. Yeah, I mean, they, someone that size is buying a system that's optimized for yeah. their portfolio. So, you know, if you were, if for, you know, someone else went in there to brew on that system and brew their beers, it's not built for yeah, anyone well, else's beer. I, I remember talking to them down there that they even said that, like, at the scale and the configuration of it, they've even had to make changes to be able to do some of their stuff because it was so specialized for streamlined for certain beers that they had made yep i guess that's the one downside to being able to just push a button and it being like a keurig brew <laughs> yeah so do you have any automation at any of your locations or is it all manual i mean there's a there's a dc's got a a a, a mash in button you know uh, <laughs> we can call for grain from the silos with a push button but you know it's uh it's it's not all like things f- considered, it could ta- it could it can receive a, a ton more automation. We just haven't spent okay. the money on it. But you know, um, yeah, we, there's not at all. Nothing. This is very, not very, very canning, not the canning line, not the centrifuge. Yeah, we stuff. still can on on wild goose in every location. There's no rotary lines. There's nothing nothing fancy. Oh, we have an automatic gate. No, we don't even have an automatic gate. I was gonna say. <laughs> nothing. Nothing's automatic. <laughs> Yeah, but when like everything technology wise breaks down, you'll still be able to put out beer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, so how? Um, I, I can't do the math. How much beer do you put out a year? Then, I man, it's got to be a, a lot, lot, right? A lot. <laughs> a lot. Enough. <laughs> enough. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Some people may argue not enough because there's still. Still, people have trouble getting your beer. I think it's a good problem. I think we've done a really good job of trying to meet demand yeah. and not trying to stay, you know, really far behind it. We're we're bursting at the seams with our capacity now, so we're doing yeah. everything we can to make sure as many people as possible can get a hold of it in a, in a good way. Yeah, and too, if like you just start flooding, then like it's not you can't control anything. Yeah. It's like, us, we try to keep our QC below, uh, below like a month. So, see how much sexier you sound when you're oh right God. on the mic. This guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, we we do QC every week, and we try to keep all our beers as fresh under a month as possible. So it's very hard for us to 
distribute to places overseas or anything just because of that. It takes about six weeks to get to a place overseas. You know, we can't control that. Yeah. It's hard in the summer times too, especially with the shortage of cold chain right now. You know, it's, it's, it's tough to send stuff like you'd like to. You don't like to warm age your IPAs? <laughs> we try not to. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's when they taste the best. You leave them out in your garage the, for the, a couple months. The shipping months companies and... like to warm age IPAs, but uh, <laughs> the, you'll pay for cold chain and it'll end up on a hot truck. Um, how, what is your footprint of distribution? Is it just where you're located? Well, I mean, then obviously Maryland too, but I mean, that's more or less DC. No, we, we're, we're kind of global right now, but okay. we do a lot of uh, self-distro where we're located at. So DC, we have Maryland, DC, and Virginia for the DC location. Then in Philly, we have the whole Pennsylvania. We have uh, full Jersey now, and then we got New York City is covered a thousand percent, the five boroughs, and then we do distribution outside by a third party company. And then we have, we do drops like in certain locations. Yeah, like they, we, where your friends are. We'd be in Connecticut too. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we just, we try to keep it like do these certain drops again, just to keep everything fresh. Yeah. And it's nice to have, you know, you want to keep it as much, <clears throat> the bulk of it as much as close to the spot as possible because, you know, in our head, it's it's as much marketing as it is sales. I mean, our margins on wholesale beer are, aren't great. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when you see it, though, you kind of want to be like, oh, well, this is cool. I wonder where they're at. And then you can look it up and find out that, hey, we're, we're actually within, a dr- you know, we're drivable for, for most people that, that drink our beer. You can go and actually get the full taproom experience and, and whatnot. And that, that means a lot to us. Did you start out from the beginning with package product? Pro- product or was it all you start out with tap room only and having to go to you to get it well when we started in new york you couldn't even uh do direct to consumer okay uh so we didn't even have a bar the bar was for like tasting accounts so we were a wholesale only model when we opened um the craft act passed in may of 14 uh which was probably the the biggest thing to ever happen to craft beer in 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 new york uh, and that's where you saw the total explosion of, of smaller breweries um, that could uh, grow and sustain growth by selling direct to consumer, um, selling cans out the front door. Uh, Ironheart made that possible for us. Uh, we were one of their first accounts. And, uh, you know, we wouldn't be where we are unless they, they had come in because we couldn't afford a packaging line. Yeah. Um, so they, we were able to, you know, get beer into cans and, and sell it. Um, and I think it was our second second release that there were – like 14 people outside. Like, yeah. There's people outside. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like it was, it was really, really, it was exciting to see that. And a year later, it's like a year later, two, it was 200, bananas. Yeah. 200 people outside. Then two years later, there was 836 people online. Do you still have people lining up for releases, or is it? Is there a steady we, stream enough now? We that, just you know, had. Uh, we did a our five-year anniversary for our potato release. So we did a potato series with um, with Trillium and Monkish. Uh, one of them, uh, like, it's three different beers. It's uh, taters, fully, uh, twice baked and fully loaded. And then we did uh, rent new renditions of all three of those beers, and then we added two more. We added uh, Lactus, L- Lac- Lac- 
Lactose? No, no. Lactic. <laughs> How do you say that word? Lactobacillica. Lactus. <laughs> Lactus. Uh, yeah, I can't say that. I don't know. Sorry. Latkes. And tachos. Which is so. my favorite. The Latkes. I can't, I can't say that to save my life. But, so <laughs> but yeah, we released those five beers uh, last Saturday and it went amazing. Like the, the turnout was good. We had 100 people online, you know, on a Saturday and like in the middle of the summer, which, you know, it's kind of tough. Everyone goes on vacation. Yeah, that was a big deal. Yeah. And it felt great. We did a bottle share. We, we just got this new space in between like our warehouses and the brewery. And we just had everyone just like reunite with each other and had a great time i think and i i haven't felt that great uh with with the presence of people in a long time they everyone wants it again they they're actually emailing us messaging andrew messaging me just uh when is it going to happen again which should yeah, happen the, soon the in-person stuff is is super important i mean i think to everybody i think everybody across the board brewing wise is experiencing this like it's great everyone's buying beer and drinking it at home, but you know, all of us survive on coming to the bar and that well, experience. And, yeah, that's always been such a big part of what craft beer is too. It's not just about drinking beer; it's the people you meet going to yeah, hundred percent. It's to beer shares, waiting in line, going to festivals. Communities. Yeah. That's, like that's what we're about we're all about community we want that community back we don't like we're not like pushing you to come into the tap room and buy draft we are pushing you to come and have a good time and you know like reunite with your friends like come come see us come say hi like you know we we had uh during covid we just had curbside and we didn't open our tap room for a full year we were just selling cans to go. Like you would come to our tap room, even though New York City opened up like five months in for uh, like 25% capacity, we did not open our doors for indoor indoor seating until there were up to 50% capacity because we felt like we wanted, first of all, we wanted to keep our staff safe. Yeah. Second of all, uh, we just felt like it wasn't time yet. And now it's time. Like now, we want people to come out. Well, that and that, that, I think that's one of the one of the sticking points that during that whole time, especially for breweries, is that so often even the people that work in front of the house are doing stuff in back of the house. So, like one employee could take out an entire brewery to not be able to do anything for a couple of weeks if they got sick. And then, yeah, that was a you know that was one of the the first things that we tried to do was to. Um, separate uh, all the different front of house from packaging, from production, uh, and from warehouse, so that none of those groups crossed over ever. Okay, um, that was smart. Yeah. We had uh, uh, we called them pods, so we had okay. different pods, but we also had pods in the front of house. So there would be a team that would work four hours, and then the next team, then like there would be a gap of like. Oh, so you even had the same like. Yeah. Separating the same, so you never had an entire. It'll be team A, B, and C. So we had three different teams, and that's how we multiple divided it up. Someone in A got sick. You weren't taken out completely by team A being infected. Team B and C were still correct. And then you know, once once they tested negative, positive, everybody's back to work. It did. It did not happen once, which was pretty amazing. Like we were very lucky, um, just to go straight through COVID, you know, not 
like not having to like we we didn't furlough anyone at all right like no we didn't let anyone go and we actually hired through and expanded through it yeah so i think it's crazy yeah like you I just mean, home delivery was a big open, deal <laughs> opening stuff all over the place and well it was going, it was helpful that yeah. we already did a significant amount of self-distribution so we had the vehicles yeah you and, and the you, personnel we, to get it done the not like we you had the infrastructure you had the the demand for the beer so yeah fortunate I mean, to have the demand like, and the knowledge of how to organize the trucking arm of stuff um so you know we could go from these drivers that were normally hitting accounts were going to homes you know and, and we were doing pickup spots you know and they they created a lot of temporary sort of uh privileges in the state to accommodate um you know just to keep keep the economy going um, yeah especially us as brewers so i've only ever been to the dc one how does the New York location compare size-wise to D.C.? Uh, it's probably like a quarter of the size. Our, our Brooklyn location is, it's, in the production side, it's, it's kind of fairly the same. We do the same amount of barrels per year. But in the front of house side, it's, it's like 25% the size of D.C. Yeah, because it's Cause like, DC I feel has, like everywhere I turned in D.C., there was more tap room space yeah, or DC, more outdoor DC space. D.C. has a indoor space that's pretty fairly big, but then they also have the outdoor patio, which is right outside yeah. through the garage doors. And then if you go up the stairs, they have a full uh, patio deck on top, which also holds about, like, what do you want to say, 100 people? 100, 150 people. Yeah. Like, altogether, uh, like, 900-plus people you could hold in D.C., in New York City, it's 140 something. Okay, and then do, even Domino. Domino is it looks huge, but just the, the the space and how the building is shaped, it only holds about 100 170 to 200 people. And then uh, our Rockefeller Center one is uh, is our smallest tap uh, tap room per se, and, but we also have the. The beer garden, which is the, on the plaza outside, right in front of the Nintendo Stitch. Yeah, Nintendo NBC, store. NBC Studios. Yeah, and that that holds about like 200 people outside. But okay. then when you go inside, you know, when it's freezing cold and you go inside, it's only like 40 people or 50 people. Yeah. So beers like the Potato Release, do those make it out into distribution at all, or do those uh, stay mainly on site? We so what we try to do is we keep it. Uh, where we could control it. So it's all in-house, primarily in-house. And we do some specific accounts. We have like Downtown Crown, which is which helped us through the pandemic. Yeah. We were always... So you do a couple small special yeah. drops, but Correct. for the most part, all... And then direct shipping. Correct. Yeah, because okay. we, we, we want to um, respect the people that we collab with. And, yeah. you know, we don't, we don't want it to be in a shelf uh, come three months later. And, you know, we have no control over that. And we didn't make a lot of it either. So, I mean, in that, on purpose. Um, but that's really, yeah, it is. It's, it's all about the, taking care of the people that have taken care of us, yeah. you know, through all this and giving them, giving them back something that's special to them and isn't just available to anybody that wants to get it, you know, with a click of a mouse or whatever. I mean, uh, when, when Matt says, like, giving back to the people, I, I automatically start thinking about, when we started doing Freaky Fridays. So Freaky Friday is a series that we do that we take a recipe from like uh, Monkish. You know, one of Monkish 
top beers and we brew it in our house. So now people that during the pandemic, people don't have to travel to LA to grab some some amazing beer. Like, you know, it's gonna be fresh. It's gonna be from your local brewery. How close were you able to get it? Uh, it's perfect. Like we we had some of the best collabs through that. Like, you know, like a lot of people were were impressed that we actually grabbed the recipe and we knocked it out the park. Like and I personally, you know, being a being a fan first and you know, being an employee later, I I thought that all the beers were great. Was that what you did a ghost and machine for that, right? Correct, yeah. Okay. Then that I mean that was spot on. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then from that, you know, we also got, you know, we got some big collaborations from that. We got we got a big collaboration with Parrish that we did Ghost in the Machine, but we also did uh, Space Ghost, which was pretty amazing. We did, on their side, did Budding and Crackling, and then they did one of our beers as well, you know? So, and it, it just goes to show, like, sharing recipes is, is great and all, like, you know, but it also, it's great for the people that are going to buy the beer. Well, they, it's just, like, uh, speaking as a consumer, it's just cool. Like, it's just fun when breweries do stuff like that. And it's no like fun if anyone's beefing with anybody. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't build on the community at all. Yeah, like, when you see two of your favorite breweries doing something together, like, it's just, yeah. it's fun and, it, yeah, it's yeah. just fun. <laughs> I mean, we did uh, all together. We shared one, oh, of, yeah. one of our f- favorite recipes for one of our favorite beers. We basically gave away the recipe to everyone for them to do as they please with that recipe and you know they we gave them contacts to our label creators and the label makers and you know they everyone was making amazing beer everything about that whole program was amazing and i'm glad you brought that up because for some reason i had no note to myself to mention that considering like how big of a deal that was uh but like the 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 build out of the website and everything you had there like everything was so well thought out and planned to make it so easy for anyone who wanted to to do it. Yeah, you know, we worked with uh, Stout Collective out of Chicago, and they helped build uh, the back end of that for us, uh, you know, in, in the front end um, visually. And, you know, we, we decided on sharing that program and then making the decision to just allow anyone to do whatever they felt was best uh, to help support themselves or their community, whatever they wanted to do. I think because well, yeah, you like, didn't have any stipulations on no, we just what we wanted do, right? the we wanted the front artwork to have you know that that all together on it, but it was not like an other half driven thing. It was just like what can we do now that the world just got turned upside down to sort of preserve some sense of normalcy and, and continue building on that community uh, drive you know that we we started with, and it just seemed like the best way to go about it. I think it ended up with over 850, 1,000 different breweries from all over the world. So it was over 1,000 breweries uh, that included uh, wineries. There was like four four wineries, two uh, sake makers, and even coffee. Like Mostra Coffee did like their own batch of all together. They also was um, like a a soda. I forgot what company it was, but they made a soda. Oh, that's cool. It's pretty cool. Um, actually for the maybe one or two people listening that don't know what all together was, <laughs> <laughs> do you want to give a quick, this since we just talked a lot about it, what was all together? Uh, it was a, it was a, it was a, a shared recipe, um, that you could tweak any way you want, but you know, we, we just, we put it out there. Um, 
anyone could use it. Uh, the artwork was free. Um, and the recipe was free. And the idea was just if, if, if you're struggling as a business, use the proceeds from, you know, the, the collaborative marketing to help boost sales. And if that helps you get through this, that's great. If, if you're doing okay, then you could put that, those funds to use to help your friends, community, or whatever it is that you wanted to do. Um, you know, and, and then we, we decided to give proceeds to, um, to the, the, re the restaurant association yeah, first. Yeah. The RA and then, first. And then we followed by, uh, save, MJ, save restaurants and then MJF fund and then the Michael the Jackson foundation. And that was, uh, we, yeah, we, which was we the raised, biggest benefactor of, yeah. of our fundraising. Okay. We raised over a million, like a million wow. dollars, like worldwide throughout everyone. Yeah, we didn't even tally it. You know, we sort of let people just. Yeah, because it was very, submit. that part of it was very, like you weren't. Well, it's like, also like we, we weren't want this much to be doing it. Like, you, and we didn't want to feel like we weren't looking for a number, right? We didn't want to like wait for this giant, no, uh, any number to come in and yeah. then use that as a, as a bullet point because that doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It's like even if you raised a few hundred bucks with your batch and somebody was better off because of it, then that's all that matters. That, that's really what it was about. Yeah, I knew a couple of breweries in Jersey, they did it and it helped. Their, they took the money they raised, the profits that they got, and they paid for like their staff that they had furloughed and just paid for like us, like a week salary for each one of them, which I thought was pretty amazing. Yeah. And like, you know, all around, we, we gave some money to some restaurants and stuff like that. That was pretty dope. I know a lot of breweries all around the world, they sent us the beer. I tried over 456 of them, which was pretty amazing. This was the best. I can't say that. <laughs> but I did try some some really crazy ones, which I thought was impressive to me. Yeah. You know, that people just didn't take our, our, our recipe as great as it was, but they just did their own thing, which yeah. I thought was pretty dope. Some guy did a stout. I... I love stouts. I love some guy did a a hoppy lager. He used he used um, he used the money from the from that to buy more equipment. So because he was a home brewer, yeah, he took the money and then he built like a brewery. I forgot the name of the brewery. I could find it and email. That's me. pretty cool. Um, that was the first. Of those collaborative kind of fundraiser, like large scale ones, wasn't it? Wasn't yeah. it? Uh, yeah, I yes. it was, yeah, definitely. I mean, then there were there I, I been several so. afterwards, but I, I, I believe so. Yeah, I, another I, good one was um, the the one by uh, Weathered Souls. Yeah, Black is beautiful. Yeah, mm -hmm. that one I thought that was great too. You know, I it it came out it came out at the right time yeah. it was you know to support it's done a lot too yeah. it's and that one went over like a thousand breweries really fast too and that was the same back end architecture yeah. for that and that's why you know it was it was really it was great to see that come out and work so well and see so yeah. many people getting in on that yeah cuz that i mean that still continues on now there's sure. people are still making it and yep yeah i was just at uh, modest modest had some uh black is beautiful Bottles that they just did, which were pretty amazing too. All right, let's take um, one more quick sponsor break, and then uh, we get back. Um, uh, we'll find something to talk about. <laughs> we'll be right back. Pirates versus ninjas. That's later on.
I buy my beer at District East in downtown Frederick, Maryland. They have an amazing selection of local and hard-to-find beers, and I love the option of making my own mix-and-match custom six-pack. District East is on Northeast Street in Frederick, in the same shopping center as Showroom Restaurant and Rockwell Brewery. Most weeks, they have over 950 beers in stock. Check out this week's selection at www.districteastbeer.com. Are you planning on having custom glassware made for your business? Glassware availability for 2022 has already reached capacity, and it looks like costs will predictably rise this year. Don't worry, ACS Brand My Beverage has you covered with over 6 million units of the most popular glass styles exclusively in their inventory to meet your branded glassware needs right now. Lock in today's lower prices and take immediate delivery, or ACS will store your product for you until you're ready. Email sales at brandmybeverage.com or visit brandmybeverage.com to reserve your glassware. McClintock Distilling is Maryland's first and only certified organic distillery, handcrafting gins, whiskeys, vodkas, and cordials from non-GMO organic ingredients in downtown Frederick. Named the best vodka distillery in the country by USA Today, best gin in the world at the International Spirits Competition, and double gold at the World Spirits Competition for bourbon, rye, and gin. Open now for tours, tastings, and classes. Come sample the most awarded distillery in Frederick today. So I think it's safe to say other half is most known for hazy IPAs, right? Yeah. Is that uh, Was that a function of that's your favorite style, or that's just what you guys have always been really good at brewing? Can I ask a question before you answer that? Sure. Matt. Uh, would you call it a hazy IPA or would you call it something else? Yeah, it's this is New England. <laughs> okay, sorry. IPA. I, that sounds like I I'm just touched a personal nerve. <laughs> you touched Jared's personal uh, nerve. Sorry. We're, not, we're not in California. That's why. Shout out to California. <laughs> it you took know, you a really long time to give a shout out. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Try not to talk that much. Yeah, I mean, that's a, none of us would, would be here without California, you know, killing it for 20 plus years yeah. with West Coast and you know, that's where we started. We didn't have a single uh, hazy strain. You know, everything was done with Chico out, out of the gate. You know, green diamonds, uh, all green everything. OG green diamonds. Other half IPA, which is now Green City. Um, everything we made was clear beer uh, for the first probably six months. Um, but Sam, he's very good at sort of putting his mind to something. And then, it, you know, recipe-wise, it it'll just it just happens. Um and, uh, we, you know, we've, I'd say up until last year, we'd never pilot, piloted a single batch of beer in the history of the company. So it just sort of turned into that and just ran with it. So you guys work with, I mean, pretty much every huge popular brewery and probably are kind of the pinnacle of who people would love to work with. Did uh, you have, like a lot of breweries, will open and right away, like, cause they've had lots of friends in the industry from when they were opening up and just being connected is, were you guys friends with a lot of people? Although you were one of the first, um, so it was just from building or was it from just building a reputation of making fantastic beer and being one of the first, you know, we, we set out to try to make as many friends as possible. <clears throat> Actually, um, um, uh, Corey Bonfiglio who owns beer street. Uh, was the first person to introduce us to another brewer, uh, to Brian Strumke uh, from Stillwater. Okay, yeah. And that was the very first 
collab we ever did. Uh, Brian introduced Sam and I to hundreds of people, um, you know, uh, stateside as well as over in, in Europe. Um, he That's opened a cool a, little fun a, fact. A I never knew that. Uh, for us, for sure. That was your first collab. Um, rock, rock what star was it? Farmer. No, it was uh, something else. It was like that. And then also um, Yepe lived in, in New York City, too. And so, you know, shortly thereafter, we did a we did a we did a not so successful <laughs> collab with him that just didn't, you know, we were getting our feet under us, too, with a lot of things. Uh, but, you know, at the at the root of it all, we really just wanted to make sure that what we were doing was community driven. Um, you know, building building relationships with other other breweries, other people that were kind of coming up at the same time. Uh, I remember sitting in the cooler and texting JC at Trillium uh, when they were still, you know, in their first small location and drinking a bottle of Congress Street and being like, "Wow, this is this is really great," you know. And we're all getting texts from each other, just surprised to hear from anybody else that someone else is paying attention. And you know, we, we shared a lot of similar experiences. Um, and that's, that's how we met, you know, we did a, the first monkey did their first IPA with us when we were out there for a mixed firm collab. Oh, I figured it was cause that guy you met up in New York was who put you. Oh yeah. No, no. <laughs> Some guy at Mortalis said like, oh yeah, I know Henry from Monkish. I could get you guys a collab. Nice. He's talking, he's talking you get to, that guy's number? He's talking <laughs> to Tin Bar and I was like, bro, like. You're uh, just a, you just have some no drunk idea who, dude there. <laughs> but it was just a meeting a bunch of like-minded people yeah. going through the same shit and you know dealing with the same stuff and and just just this meteoric kind of explosion of craft beer at the time. You know, it was really great to have other people with shared experiences. It was a great time too when uh, just being because I was a fan back then and I, I used to wait in line and all that stuff, but I used to see. How yeah. all these collabs and I always found uh collaborations interesting for me. Like I you know, in in the wine world or in like in the liquor world, I've never experienced something like that. Like where like another another distillery would come to to your distillery and do a collab or another winery does the same thing. So I always found it very interesting to see two breweries collaborate collaborate. And other half was doing it. They used to do releases every two weeks, like twice a month. And they used to have a collaboration at least one time every two weeks for a, a long period of time. And I thought that changed the beer world from my perspective. Like, you know, I know other people were probably doing it. I've never paid attention to them until other half was actually collaborating with them. Once we did a collaboration with them. I was like, okay, like, let me see who they are. Let me try to get their beer. And if you see it from like the outside, like a person that's never drank beer before or anything, you'd be like, oh, like, that's cool. Like, oh, who's other half? Let me try them. Or, or who's um, Sand, Sand City? Like Sand City was one of the first collabs I saw. And they were, they climbed on top of a, a rooftop, on top, rooftop. Of the, on top of the rooftop. And they did like a um, like an acrobatics thing, and I thought that was like one of the coolest things ever. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck are they doing on top of the roof? And then I go get the beer like two weeks later, and I was like, oh, this is amazing! Like, all right, cool. Like, and remember when collaborations too used to be, 
It used to be two great breweries coming together to make one shitty beer. <laughs> and, and it's kind of like, we kind of were like, let's, let's try to turn that one on its head. Like, you let's know, try let's, to do a really good let's beer. Let's try to do a really good beer when two good breweries get together. So You're right. That, I mean, if you roll back to the early 2000s when most of the collaboration beers you could get were not that great. They were often like... <laughs> I like remember reading be, that. You're right. Like, it could be two great breweries, and then I, you would get all excited to try the beer, and it would it would be awful. Awful. I wonder why that was. Laziness. Laziness. <laughs> I, I mean, again, like I don't think anybody was doing stuff on small scale either. Like this is like it would always be like two larger breweries. And maybe together that's what it is trying too, like, to make their large systems work on things that were never supposed to work. And you know, I can't really fault them for. It. I'm glad they did it. I mean, Brooklyn Brewery started the collaboration. You know, Garrett Oliver is the is the is the father of collaboration. So, you know, props to him for getting it started. And you know, and um, but yeah, that's that's what it felt like. You know, and. and that, that would gotta, definitely change this. <laughs> so have you ever done a beer with Brooklyn Brewery? Uh, yeah, we did one uh, for uh, for Pastry Town right before the pandemic. Okay. It was uh, draft only because it was a blend. We took one of their Black Ops from their Four Roses barrels, and then we uh, took one of our uh, Barrel Age Green City, and we blended it together. So it was only available at uh, the... The pastry town. Okay, cool. So you're actually here to brew what not one but two collaborations, right? Correct. Hey Ben, how much you want to say about the collaboration beers? What do you want me to say about them? I don't want you to say anything. We're talking about them. <laughs> okay. Do you guys want to say what they are? You want to keep uh, them <laughs> we're doing a, a double IPA for their anniversary. For four scores, third anniversary. For, for, sorry, for or four round, scores, round third. three, August thirteenth, August thirteenth, the uh, YPA collaboration with the other half, and and then we're also doing a a smoothie sour. That's what they call it, right? No, yes. All right, cool. With uh, lychee. yeah, it's not a heavily fruited sour anymore. So it's, it's a smoothie sour. So it's a a barrel aged sour with uh, uh, lychee and strawberry. It's gonna be fire. So you guys have worked with some of the best and most sought after in the business. How do you find yourself slumming it with Ben? <laughs> oh, shots. <laughs> ben, you want to say something for this? I, I, can't, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I'll let Matt answer that one. Uh, <laughs> we, we love Ben. Ben's one of the best, best people we've met in the industry. And, you know, that's, that's sort of like uh, that's – not only is the beer good, but you know, we don't, we have never made beers with people that we don't want to hang out with either. Um, you know, that's really the, the, at the core of it is like, you know, just keep expanding the, your, that, that, the, those friendships and, yeah. and things like that. And then that's you know, a big, you get that's a big one too. For like you're going to make a good beer. For together. our collaborations, that's a big one. What Matt just said. Um, I mean, why would you want like, to? No, so if you didn't want to hang make out a with, beer with someone you've never yeah. met or you've, yeah, you know what I mean? Like you need some history there and, we get millions of requests and we, you know, we just, we kind of want it to happen organically, but, you know, this happened, like our friendship with Ben happened organically. We, we met him a couple of times. I tried his beer 
And then we shared it. We hung out at our DC location. We got a bunch of it sent to DC and made everyone else try his beer. <laughs> we're like, listen, taste this. <laughs> so let's, we let's, can't do this yet. <laughs> we're going to ask Ben how to do it. <laughs> and then uh, we ended up doing a Cannibal Swerve. I was going to say that that, that Cannibal that beer Swerve was, was amazing. It was a pineapple. So good. Oh, man. So good. Uh, but yeah, so. I still have one of those in my refrigerator. And that, that started our, we started our Cannibal series based off of that too. So now we're thanks, Ben. We're far beyond that. <laughs> that one you had at Mortalis was great. Oh uh, yeah, Cannibal Whip. That's, yeah. that's my that was my personal favorite smoothie sour that we've done. That was really good. Um, I got a couple of four so, packs of that at home. Yo, so good. Uh, they come out at like 10 p.m. <laughs> I, I would put some crushed ice. Time. I would put some crushed ice on them. I don't know why. Like anything with crushed ice just Pebble tastes ice. better. Yeah. I've I've um, <laughs> shot videos of me using Ben's beer to make uh, milkshakes. Yeah, <laughs> they're almost there the already. You right? just need yeah. a, a a little bit of ice cream to add in. Hey Ben, you want to uh, say what hops are in this beer? Uh, it would work a lot better if you were closer. Uh, Rawaka. Rawaka. And people, I still can't hear it. No, no. like you actually I'll, have to uh, talk here. into it. Ruwaka, Nectaron, um, Little Citra Cryo, Little Citron Incognito, and then Motueka. Ooh. And a really fun yeast strain. Citra okay. Motueka, nice combo. Perfect. What, what order did you put them in? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> What's, what's your recipe? Come on, share it. <laughs> well, no, like you, they, I mean, we've proven the order of the hops makes a big difference. Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't know. And that troll beer, I still think the black can was the best one. No, it was the fiery designer was the best. Yeah, sure it was. It is. Um, it's amazing how many people rated them completely different. Like yeah, the oh, same. Did you hear person. about this one, Matt? Do you know about that beer? No. Uh, uh-huh. So there's a. Um, he so, must not follow you on Instagram. No. So Ben, <laughs> I just started following Jared's like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so Ben, um, Ben has uh, Ben did a beer with um, Chris uh, Scott. Not Scott. Sorry. Uh, Scott Rob, just Rob from Scott the just brought, pushed himself into and, it. <laughs> and Black Ninja, and they, it's like it was three different can labels, but it's the same beer. Move closer to the mic. It's the same beer. But just like with literally like three it was different can the labels. Same run, canning run, and you just swapped out the labels. And <laughs> and one of them was Citra Mosaic Galaxy. The second one was Galaxy Citra Mosaic, and the third one was Mosaic Galaxy Citra. I guess the the order matters. It yeah. does. And the, there were um, so the black can has the highest rating right now. I think I think that's accurate. Yeah, cause um, it's just because it's the black hand. I mean, pink like whoa is the best. Yo, right? facts. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I remember that line. That was crazy. But it, there are there are multiple people who checked into all three of them and gave them different ratings and different tasting notes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm gonna rate all of these differently. Where's my glass? Um. So that was that was a fun little game. Oh, that's the uh, the Jamba, the barrel aged one. Yeah, that's barrel aged one. 
Um, and they were they were it was sold in a mixed uh, six pack, two of each one. Um, Distinctly, Ben. Why beer. is this white? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this was your fault. <laughs> How did he do? How would you rate it? It is definitely very white. So amazing. Yeah, he's <laughs> nobody does it better. What is this thing? This is crazy. It's amazing. This is the barreled age one? Yeah. You need to immediately so, go brush your teeth, but it's amazing. Yes. So what um what is the history behind naming beers after food? Ooh. Well, it started with naming beers after weed and um with broccoli. And then sort of just ran from there. Cheddar and cabbage and still more weed and money references, but um, I, I see it as mostly money references, like the the cheddar. I didn't know, think of it like that. Cheese, money, cheddar, money, uh, cabbage, green, weed. Yeah. Broccoli, green, weed. What and about the, potatoes? Uh, potatoes, just a food series. That's when we started the food series. Okay. And honestly, some of it gets referred to now as like crudite. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's sort of just, you know, we, we're trying to take the, the seriousness out of beer. You know, back then it was still very, like, very serious. <laughs> and we were just not serious people. You know, we just wanted Why to keep it beer fun. Cloudy? And, yeah. You know, and it's just too much scrutiny. We're like, well, let's just name things this ridiculous, these ridiculous names and try to keep it fun, you know. So I think another distinctive thing, you guys, yeah, it looks gross quickly. It's incredible. <laughs> We're drinking white beer. This is crazy. Um, you use small labels that don't wrap around the whole can. We used to. What? Oh, are you doing full ones now? Why have they're I not still seen they're them? larger. The the original can. You're 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 100 correct. The original ones were very very small. But uh, even current ones still don't wrap all the way around, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, we had a, we had a really great, um, opening design team, uh, that helped us with a lot of stuff. Um, you know, we, we, we tried to print cans. We did it uh, a couple times, but you have to buy such a, an enormous amount. And we were so small that it was sort of cost prohibitive. And, um, you know, the, the, this original design group, uh, along with Sam, a lot, a ton of Sam's input sort of just, that was the aesthetic that looked the best to us. You know, it, it it's in a can, but at the same time, we wanted people to know that it was very different than anything you're seeing on the shelf. Um, and it, it just, the, the balance was there for us. It felt, it felt right. Yeah, because bef- they were shorter before. In the, yeah, like, they, were, they were very small. Yeah, but they're still much smaller than most other breweries. Yeah, correct. Yes. Okay. If you had for a second there, you had me thinking I have no idea what I'm talking about, which happens often, so it really wouldn't be that. Usually I'm the one that's caught (laughs) off guard not knowing what I'm talking about. Yeah, Because, I I mean, that's like one of those just distinctive features of another half beer. If you like, you see, you can tell them from the back even. (laughs) It's actually, you know, the more more we hear other people's impressions on it, like it's sort of we're not even that aware of it in the same way. You know, it's just like that's what we did. And then people look at it and they, they form their own opinions as to why it's different or, <laughs> you know. I mean, they're still going to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there wasn't like a functional. It's also much cheaper to make a smaller label. <laughs> 
So like, like going back when you decided to was like was that a, a determining factor for doing it, or or was it an aesthetic? Aesthetic. It was an and aesthetic, design? but I mean, every decision you make as a brewery is money driven. Yeah. Um, in terms of just keeping the lights on, especially when you're starting up. But yeah, the, the aesthetic was was super important to us. You know, we um, Sam especially is very much into aesthetic and 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 lots of different things in his life. And so that it meant a lot to have like a, a well-designed visual presentation for the brand. I mean, we didn't do any marketing. Uh, we didn't do any, you know, no paid promote, nothing. So the only way that we could sort of like visually relate to our customer base was through the labels. And so they had to, they had to stick out. They had to, you'd remember them for something. I mean, I, th- and even I, I think you guys have some of the coolest, and they're like the most simple. Some of your best ones are like the most simplistic ones. Agreed. And like which one? What? Which one? Like, yeah, you, uh, we've had we've had we have a, we have really talented designers on staff now. Uh, we've had multiple groups. Uh, we had uh, Megan Penman working for us for a long time. Did a lot of really great labels. She crushed. Um, you know, we had a, a, an outfit called Small Stuff, which a husband and wife team out of New York City. Uh, that in my mind sort of like set set us on the path that we're on today, uh, which was the, you know, they did it the was a very one. minimalistic approach to to art. Um, I mean, that's for, what I was going to like broccoli. Like that's very simplistic, but Remember, it's a cool looking label. That's like, simplistic. No? But yeah, it was also like before that. over and over again. <laughs> and then, I, but I, like, I thought that was one of the coolest labels I've ever seen. In my beer life. labels used to look yeah, like stuff. So you'd be like, dad, stop drawing my beer label because <laughs> I need to <laughs> look like this anymore. <laughs> like I need something different. And, yeah. I'm not saying simplistic is like a negative. It's very like I love Apple products because of their simplistic, very. Wow. Clean design. Okay, clean. Is that a better word to oh, yeah, use? Oh, yeah, 100%. Okay. You have very <laughs> clean design. <laughs> I don't but know. I, I saw it. Um, so my my good friend, Anthony, uh, who works at Other Half, he brought me a can of broccoli once. And I was like, what is this thing? Like, why is this pink? Like, and then we, we as Other Half, like, we go for, like, Neon green, high, highlighter pink, like that's our colors now, like that's our thing. And I saw that label. From, you could see that label from two miles away, and you'd be like, "Oh, that's the other half label." Now, like nowadays, everyone knows what our label looks like, which I think is amazing and simple. Then, <laughs> but so like there, there's a very distinctive design design aesthetic. But then also the actual form is very distinctively other half too. That's a long way for me to get to that point. Yeah, I mean we worked a long <laughs> time to like sort of like come get into the mentality where we, we, we understood that we needed brand guidelines. Um, you know, because we are going to work with multiple designers. We bring in guest guest artists and all sorts of stuff. And, you know, the first question is like, you know, what what are the brand guidelines? You know, and that was sort of just like going back through the history of art other half and figuring out what was what the consistencies were and what the balance was like uh you know how, how things were weighted and all that matters so there there are three of you right uh yeah. yes do do each of you specialize like focus on one port part of the business or is it 
you yeah. all dabble in and and we're eat three shit. very different people um and it facts for the <laughs> very fortunate for us you know you can get into business with with people that are very different than you and it can be awful um not to say there haven't been tough moments right but i think that all of us are very different in that the positives from all of us have complemented the others and it's sort of like you know uh it's just it, it's worked I, I can't really explain it you know? Well, I mean, like some other breweries that I can think of that have three owners, like one focuses on production, one focuses on the marketing and sales, one focuses on the business aspect of it. Do you guys like separate out parts of that or do you do all three of so, you just oversee all of it? Well, I mean, operations wise, the other half is run by Andrew Berman. Okay. Um, you know, he does, he's, he's in charge of basically when the lights come on in the morning, you know, he's that, that's who's making sure that checking in, making sure that the, all the talented people we have working for us are just know what they're supposed to be doing. Um, or at least checking in, making sure that their goals are correct. Um, he does all that. And Sam does all the recipe base recipe ideas. And, uh, then just creepily over there crouching down. <laughs> um, and uh, the joke around here is no one knows what I do, but uh, <laughs> I try to keep, I try to keep it light. Around, what would you say you, say you do, do around here? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I I love people. Uh, I like being out. I do. I really do. I like being that out. I like being social. <laughs> I'm a people person. I am a people person. <laughs> Andrew is not a people person. Uh, <laughs> Sam is a Sam is a technical people person. He's really good with brewers. He's really good with you know people that. He's got that kind of brain. Um, I just like talking to people, meeting people, and and you know doing what I can to keep the brand relevant, and you know, and then just meeting new people and introductions and things like that, and keeping new stuff coming in through the door. Jared does an incredible job with that as well. I mean, you're the boss. <laughs> He's modest. I mean, Andrew is the person that calls me every morning, so yeah, I get it. <laughs> he does he does make sure the lights are on. But when I talk to Matt, I know it's something serious, so it's like... It's that, like that's when you're in trouble? No, no, never, oh. never, <laughs> never. If I'm in trouble, that's not, like, that's not a thing. <laughs> like, I don't know what I did, but sorry. But no, like, Matt is usually on top of uh, making sure that people are taken care of, especially when it comes to anything like other half related. So it's like, he wants to make sure that we have like a good face out there. Like people are like, we're being represented in a positive way, uh, making sure like outreach, community, all that stuff. Like, that's all Matt, that's what I seen. Like when he said that he is like the, the person that goes to for other people, like, I saw that from the beginning. Like, you always see that. Sam, like, as as a genius as he is, like, he's always with the brewers. But then when it comes to, like, guests, he's like, like you know, he's... With the brewers, he's got it. <laughs> it's handled. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, that's, that's why I'll be there. Like, I'll, I got it, Sam. I got it, Sam. Go away. He's the man, though. They're all great. Like, I could see the chemistry, and it works really well, you know? Going every day, I'm, like, in a good place, which is pretty good. 
So at this point, are there are there any breweries that you like have that you want to work with that you haven't at this point? Like, is there anyone you like? I'd love to do a collab with this brewery, but you haven't yet because it seems like you've collaborated with almost everyone. I don't think we could say it out loud. Oh. Can't say it out loud, but I can say a that secret. The you know, there's three of them, but you can't say it's it. Out very, loud. it's been incredible to work with who we've worked with. I mean, it, and <clears throat> you try to sort of pinch yourself every time. You know, you're hanging out, and and you're like, this is this is great. You know, I mean, we were all I mean, I mean, we all of us Roth were fans. House, we're like, the Roth House was bruh. was mind blowing for How all of us. How you sell out a lager like? You tell yeah. me what brewery. I'm sorry. Like, there's a lot of breweries. 150 barrels of lager. Like, and it was 150 gone. barrels of lager and it's gone. Like, and they loved it, which was a big deal because they were very reticent about doing it. And, and then that, were, was, that was our longest, uh, like, to brew, right? Like, it took our long, the longest time to make that collab from yeah. beginning to end. Yeah. Like, it took us a very long time to do that collab. And I think it was one of the most memorable ones. You know, they move, they move very slowly over there, um, but methodically. So it was like just keeping in step with what they wanted out of the beer, and then <clears throat> suggesting something to a brewery that old. You know, it's funny yeah. when we first when we first have did the clap, they were about like, doing. <laughs> they were like, "You can't have the re- the recipe to 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 our beer." We're like, we don't, we don't want the recipe. Like, we're, we're going to do something new. And they're like, oh, okay. Now we get it. You know, but they were awesome to work with. And, and they, they uh, tried it and they were like, this is amazing. But yeah. Have, had they even ever done a collaboration nope, with nope. anyone? No. Nope. I was going to say, because that's not like a normal thing overseas, right? No. It's a, it's a very American old too. beer. It's a very old brewery. Um, so it was, it was a, quite an honor to do that with them. And pull the, it off, and the Jenny Cream Ale was pretty good too. There. Yeah, that was fun too. That was a uh, Jenny all, Cream Ale. There's a, we have a lot of staff from from Western New York, and right. so we there's a lot of, of of Jenny Genesee in the cooler at work. Um, and so when we opened the FLX location, in its proximity to Genesee, it was just a, a no brainer. And we had reached out. You know, one there's a local news guy up there um, hooked us up with Dean, uh, their brewmaster. And then, uh, it just kind of snowballed from there. And then we took the dream, mixed it with the cream <laughs> and did the, the, and then we didn't even brew it. We brewed it at Genesee. So it was just, Oh, that's cool. They, they, they did it. It was a monster release. There were, you know, 500 people outside beforehand. And it was just awesome to see, especially it was like our first expansion outside of New York city to see that sort of like response to something. We went to the brewery uh, on Friday before the yeah. brewer's party, and I never would have thought you that took they... took the tour? We didn't know. We just went and had a Bro, they, they have a, a, like a, a basement that's like five levels that's deep. That's the inside tour. Yeah. I don't oh. think they don't bring everybody down there. I can't even say it out <laughs> I think loud. it's safe. Can I, I can say safe. it out <laughs> Well, they have a, 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 a wood fermenter a lager wood fermenter in the basement, like five levels deep that had like the biggest spider I seen. And I've been to like third world countries where like the spiders are the size of my hands. And I was like, Oh snap. Like this is crazy. They have the original glass lined, uh, horizontal lager tanks. Oh wow. Four or five stories down in the ground there. Um, and some of the stories you've, 
he'll tell you of what's happened down there. It's pretty incredible. But like, I just would never have imagined that they would have the beers that they had on tap there. Like, I didn't know they did like all kinds of like craft type stuff that oh, yeah. they served at the. And someone pointed out too, like at the Mortalis Festival, it was like that the the brewery that was the least hype brewery had the most hype merch, <laughs> Looked, had, and like just everything about oh, yeah. their table at the festival was. Bro, like, they had the, they had the, more, a swag, so it had like their their button down Genesee? shirt, yeah, button yeah. down shirt and the and the shorts, like all full out. Genesee. They had icy machines that they were serving. It um, was wild. Yeah, I mean they were not, you know, they they b- before we. They were just doing their thing. It's a massive brewery, a million barrels yeah. a year of, of liquid coming out of that space. And when we were like, we, we want to design glassware or a T-shirt, it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, and and, and now, them, it's sort of now, now, now it's like... The floodgates of open. Let's fucking go. Yeah. You know, the, the, the merch shop is incredible. You know, it's like a, it seemed like it was a whole floor of the building yeah. walking And style-wise, I mean, Dean Jones, he's amazing. You know, he's an he's a OG. Like, you know, he's... He's a very creative guy. I mean, they had they had a grape pilsner. (laughs) No comment. (laughs) Um, Sounds like marketing team. (laughs) Like just to go back to your collaboration, like question about who we would love to collaborate with. I, you know, just sitting with Sam and talking with Sam, like I think we're more focused on like, like going back to our roots where we were technically helping out, like smaller breweries that are not that well known out there and you know since we have that name you know we're we're at a point now that we could bring up some other breweries instead of like collaborating with like a huge like like Goose Island or you know yeah. like, like we we won't we won't see ourselves doing that but we would see ourselves brewing with the seed like we just did a collaboration with the seed amazing people from Atlantic City we did a double IPA on their side, and then we're brewing a saison like next week. So, you know, stuff like that. I think it's kind of more interesting, and it's better because we're actually help. We're taking our power and helping them, in a sense. Whereas, you know, like all these other big breweries, like we're not, we're not getting anything out of it. You know, we don't ask for money from breweries or anything else. It's just like it's basically a friendship. And people deserve, you know what I mean? That's, that's the thing. There's a lot of barriers to entry. Um, and we need, everyone needs the beer community to stay excited. You know, yeah. so it's like it, you have to, it's almost a responsibility to sort of like do anything we can to help anyone new that's doing good product and are good people to sort of get their name out there. So keeps that's it going. why you're out here slumming it with that. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Chris, actually, uh, Matt and Ben actually hang out more than you know. <laughs> they they hang out like almost every other week. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I heard. Ben's got a tent set up in my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> he Full t- of natter days and a generator with a cooler and, this and a bunch of Miller splits. High Life. <laughs> An extra pair of flip-flops. <laughs> I had someone ask me recently if Ben ever brews because all they see him here is walking around in flip flops. <laughs> he's brewing a beer right now, <laughs> but he definitely puts on closed, closed toe yeah, shoes. Yeah, when of course he does. There. I've seen, I've seen. Yeah. Um. 
So you you had mentioned excitement. So you're going almost in on a decade of what now uh, do you still get excited about? <laughs> what gets you excited now? I mean, Jared said it. It's it's really it's getting back to um just what got us here in the first place, which was just getting out there, back out there and meeting people that are getting started or have made a mark in, in their community and just sort of discovering what they're doing. And, and uh, you know, every single one that we meet forces us to be better, you know, not, not better than what they're doing, but just keep improving on what, what yeah. we do as well. Keep out doing and, yourself. Yeah. And, you know, and they've, we've just, we drank some pretty awesome <laughs> beer. <I'll tell> <laughs> Alcohol, period. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, whether it's beer, wine, spirits, anything, um, that's what keeps us going. You know, it's just like that discovery sort of side of it. Um, you know what's gonna get what got me excited? Um, uh, Pastry Town last year, just having all those people come out. I thought that was amazing. I mean, we we witnessed it when we did the the events around Snallagaster in DC, mm -hmm. which I thought was epic. But then when we brought that back home and we're like, okay, everyone's coming to us now and felt felt great. I thought I was like, okay, cool. Like, oh, we're back. To, we're getting back to that normalization where people are actually hanging out again. Wh I, which is the bigger event, Green City Green or City. Pastry Town? Green City. Okay. Yeah, it was uh, two days this year, whereas uh, Pastry Town is usually just one. I okay. Mean, or like, it's come. It's almost half the sizes. Green City. Pastry down beers are much more expensive to buy too. So you have to kind of limit it. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. We're already losing a ton of money on those fests. So it's like <laughs> but it's awesome to have big them huge stouts. We haven't made a single dollar. We've never fest. made a dollar off a festival, that's for damn sure. That's what <laughs> I I've, I've always wondered. Where's mine, Ben? Thanks. <laughs> Chop liver over here. Pale. Uh yeah, seriously. Um, he completely had me lose my train of thought. Now he said, "That's what you're I talking was. about festivals." Yes, festivals. That I like. That's the one thing I've always thought of. Like going to like those types of festivals, it doesn't seem it's at all like a profit driver for, for the brewery throwing it. Like, like, like negative, negative dollars. You, like you look at how expensive they negative. are, and then when you still like run through like everything, you're like, yeah, they're still not profiting off of this. But you also lose <laughs> time of life too. Like, <laughs> yeah, like working. Yeah, he's like two hundred hours a week. Like it's not cool. It's a lot. It's a lot, and it's a lot on our. It's a lot on our staff. Yeah, big time. Um. I mean, they they knock, they like they Crush. rock, they rock. I I mean, we have a packaging team of like three people, and we knocked out all those Green City packages in about four days. And we went from doing that in four days to like last year doing it in twelve days. To the year before that, it was like twenty like twenty days almost. It took us to do all those beers. And it was the same amount of beer, so now you can see how they have grown, and they work to they work great together as chemistry. They have great chemistry together, and I think like our team is why we're being successful. Hundred percent right now. And you know, and I think I think that the understanding of the value and the marketing behind that event and the give back it is to the community. Um, you know, we get we get comments on the price of it, but it's New York City. Like, we don't trust us. If we could lower it, we would. I mean, if we could make it free, we would. 
we just have to pay everyone involved in producing it. Yeah. There won't uh, be a wrestling match. still losing a ton of money. Yeah, there'd be, there'd be but no, it's, no wrestling match. But everybody gets it. I think they, I hope they get it. I'm sure they, pretty sure they get it. That it, the, the marketing value of it is, I think, keeps people excited again. Anyone who ever complains about the price of something, I don't think that they would buy it at any price. Listen, we're as sensitive as the next person. Yeah. You know, I, I, mean, I never want to like rag on anybody for being price conscious. But um, there's one thing to be price conscious and then complain about how much a business is charging for something. Yeah. And it just seems like anyone who's going to complain about how much something it costs, most likely they weren't going to like no matter where it's priced at, they're not going they're probably not going to buy it. We're, we we try to make everything that we do as approachable as we fiscally can. Um you know, taking money out of people's pockets. You're already spending a ton of money on beer. Yeah. Like that, it's just not. It's not okay. So, yeah. but you're. I mean, you're a business. You're travel and all that stuff. It's a business. Too. Yeah, it's yeah. business. Your business. You have employees to pay for. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, if you come to one of our locations, we want you to come back. Yeah. You know, and you can't leave there feeling like you paid too much for something. But I, if you take uh, Pachytown into consideration, it's like a, an experience. The whole festival is an experience. Like we're, we have about six six different food vendors that are giving away all these pastries to come to coincide with a stout or with a sour or fruited sour from any given brewery like that we pair up with them like and i think i would just looking from the outside of it i would pay the whatever it costs like a hundred dollars just to experience that you know like you know i get to see a wrestling match i get to try the best beers in the world at the time and then i also get to try these amazing pastries from like different uh like different bakeries around the world we have a a world-class ice cream shop in there we have five other bakeries it's pretty dope i thought i thought it was amazing you know it's my favorite festival so pastry town is 100 percent. so i'm biased what was it your idea? I can't say that. No. <laughs> that it's it was Sam's idea. Uh so what everything you, is Jared's idea. <laughs> so do you do you go around and do festivals too, Matt? Or I, you? I try to get um, you know, COVID through a wrench and a lot of that for all of us. Um but yeah, I you know, I was just out in um uh, doing Firestone Walker with Sam okay. and um, our uh, one of our brewers in in FLX, Katie McNeil, and <clears throat> it was great. It was awesome to get back out there, and so I I I love that part of it. You just get to be in front of the people that are excited to, you know, they dedicate their weekend to a beer festival, um, so they're excited about what you're doing. It's great to talk to them. I find Firestone Walker a very interesting brewery. Like they're kind of like the old guard. That still has kept interesting and like relevant in a hype world. I think Matt Brindelson's done an amazing job of staying plugged in, uh, considering their size. That's they're what I mean. Like they, they're but like we go to Hop Selection, uh, you know, in Yakima, and and even he did a he did a, a talk in and in, uh, in New Zealand when we were there for a selection. And all of us are learning stuff from what Firestone does. Like the 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 hop quality group and his his contributions to that have, are incredible. And so that's sort of you know we all have 
continue to pay respects to the to the to the trails they've blazed and the work they continue to do to better what they're brewing as well as give back to the rest of the community. And so, you know, their involvement on that end has, has really set them apart on the, from, from a lot yeah. of the other larger breweries. You but know, I they, just think like at, at the scale at which they have to produce beer, mm-hmm. they are still doing interesting things. It's all Matt. He's, he's incredible. So I, just, I've, I, I like that. A, a brewery that I got excited about in 2008, like seeking out uh, Wookie Jack or something at, uh, at that time, like drink something now and it's still like, oh, yeah, this is. I mean, they're a good, good, good guidepost to, you know, as, like you said, we're coming up on our ninth anniversary, but it's almost a decade and we've been yeah. working on it for well over a decade and to see how they've done and stayed involved you know it's a, it helps us a lot to understand what it means to stay relevant how do we get there oh festivals yeah they had their festivals <laughs> <laughs> like how do we end up talking about firewall <laughs> did you did there did you know that that is like the firestone tire family mm-hmm. it's, it's half and half I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah the firestone is uh, yeah the fire, and there's a, a Firestone restaurant in Frederick, Maryland that's okay. from the same same family. I did not know that. I think he's like a nephew or something to the and then, then they also there's someone else has a distillery. There's a Firestone distillery too. The more you know. That's right. The family's all over the place. Tires and all kind of booze. <laughs> <clears throat> um so the those are you you those are the two festivals you guys do. You don't do No, we do we do, do tons we? of fest. Fests are a big deal for us. Okay. Um <laughs> I'm, I'm going and, to fest tomorrow. Yeah, I mean understanding <laughs> and, and trying to be be present for, for No, I mean your own. Oh There's, for us, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like yeah, yeah, I know we you do, guys are like at every festival. We do those too, but <laughs> of we also, other other breweries here. We at, also do um we do a full three weeks of anniversary releases, which uh coincides into like our final week is all our beers, which would be, so if we're going into ninth anniversary. Yeah, because you do the friends and fan, is it, or the. F- we do. Uh, fan fam. That's what it is, yeah. fan fam. And then we'll do seven, eight, and nine this year coming up. But we celebrate at the end of, you know, at the end of that week, we'll celebrate. It's like a big celebration for us. So that's a big deal for us. And then, you know, we also like to celebrate New Year's. We're bringing in the new year. Yeah, and uh, you know you, it's you'll kind see of a us. big deal in mm-hmm. New York. We're gonna but try we, and develop <laughs> some new stuff. Yeah, the, but we have October Oktoberfest we do in our DC location because that's where we primarily do all our loggers at. Mm-hmm. And this year it's gonna we're trying to ramp it up a little more than nice. last year. But last year was very successful. It's great. We so also so we'll do that as like a having other breweries in too, or just yeah, a we're, fe- we're, uh, so Kobe. the basic plan is to do our own loggers. Like, you know, we've been doing lately, but um, also bring in some collaboration loggers that we're doing this year. So we have, hopefully we have uh, in time the, a collaboration with Schillen and nice. another. I hear three, they make good loggers. And three other breweries too. So that would be nice to bring those in. Uh, and then we got. Oyster Wars too. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. In D.C., we have a big, one of the biggest ones that we do in D.C. is called Oyster Wars. Is the day after Snallagaster, which this year is uh, October 9th. Have they even announced that yet? Yeah, they, they announced. They finally did? Okay. Yeah, their Snallagaster is October 8th, so we do our Oyster Wars the day after. 
and it's uh, pretty amazing. This year, we're looking at over 13 different farms. Yeah, yeah, lot, oyster farmers, uh, eight, or, eight or nine different restaurants, yeah. uh, seafood-focused restaurants. Yeah. Um, plus, you know, uh, the group that we do with is uh, Long Shot Hospitality, and they have a couple of their restaurants are Salt Line, the Salt Line, and uh, Dauphine's, and so they do all, it's seafood focused and New Orleans focused stuff. It it's a really really cool. <laughs> it's event. an amazing. The first year I went down, uh, Matt Matt was like, "Hey, you got to come down and hang out," and uh, we we poured at uh, Snallagaster, but I came the day after. Because uh, I think I was at another fest, and I came the I came the Sunday after, and I witnessed Oyster War at our at at our friend's location at the Salt Line, and I thought it was one of the best f- events I ever experienced. That's not like a primary beer event. It was focused on like food and beer. You know, the beer was different from the ticket cost, but to have a sixty five dollar ticket. For all another you, money loser, they, they oh, all you could, all they you haven't could, announced the date yet. Uh, oh, sorry, we just ruined it. <laughs> it's all good. October 8th, it's fine. <laughs> we're, we ain't getting in trouble. We're good. Um, so just to have a, a ticket that costs $65 for all you could eat oysters, I t- and that's that, worth it. I could put wait, but that's that not only the oysters, <laughs> yeah, me too. we're talking about they cooked a whole swordfish. And they they barbecued they a barbecued swordfish. a whole swordfish like a pig. It was amazing, it was unbelievable. And uh, there was a uh, that had to look crazy. What Saint Aslam? I'll show you pictures later. Saint Aslam had the um, the the foam, the foie gras foam with uh, caviar. That I thought that was pretty amazing. Like yeah, like it's heavy hitting restaurants. It's it's a great great event. Uh, this year is going to be close to a thousand people. We're going to tickets. We're going to sell, and it's all on premise in DC. Um, that's something that we're super excited about Crush. this year. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been to Snallagaster. It's great. Why. It was great. Last year was incredible. Yeah. Very excited for this year. Too. Yep. All right. So a lot of times I end with what are you excited for coming up? I think you just no. listed one thing. <laughs> no, what? What am I excited You're not excited for? about anything else? What am I excited for coming up? Matt, you go first. Um, I mean, like I, I said before, for me, it's just I'm most excited about just getting back out in front of people again. Um, seeing seeing the people that, you know, have supported us and are still excited enough to come out of the house and go out to a fest again and just talking to people. Like that's, for me, I think that, that's everything that, that, that ties into our, our, our ethos of, of being a community-driven business. Um, cause without that, it really is, it feels sort of hollow. So, I mean, getting, getting the chance to, to be back out again with people is, is really, that, that's what really gets me going. Ready to answer some stupid questions? Sure. Thank you for not saying I thought I already did. Um, <laughs> who would win in a battle between a ninja and a pirate? <clears> hmm. <throat> A ninja. That's the wrong answer. No, it's not. It's most certainly the wrong answer. There's a... Winning. There's going to be at least two... (laughs) The uh, (laughs) There's going to be at least two uh, ninja versus pirate beers coming out within (laughs) the next few months. Be three, three probably. (laughs) 
Um, who is the real bully, Daniel LaRusso or Johnny Lawrence? In in which which instance? You mean at the Just end of the general. day? Yeah, at the end of the day, which one of them was the after bully? Cobra Kai and everything? Yeah, after all all of it. Daniel LaRusso. Damn, he, I think he was. There's a strong <laughs> argument that he was. I agree. Oh, I was like trying to see like what is this like? Okay, cool. You never Cobra. watched the Karate Kid? Yeah, I, I seen it once. So who was the bad guy? Yeah, the same guy, Daniel yeah. LaRusso. The one that they try to tell you is the the yeah. good one. Who would you rather fight, a horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? 100 duck-sized horses. I agree. Good question. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Yes. It's not pizza. (laughs) (laughs) There's one thing for certain. A hot dog is not pizza. So wait, can you answer, is a taco a sandwich? Yes. Okay, so so then yes. Is cereal a type of soup? No. How many Lowe's could Rob Lowe rob if Rob Lowe couldn't rob Lowe's? Siri has an opinion. None. Yeah, because I asked that question wrong. It shouldn't have been, I shouldn't have said couldn't. It should be could. So Ooh. you did get the right answer. If you needed a plumber, who would you hire, Mario or Luigi? Luigi. Mario's too busy getting the princess. Luigi. I agree. Does pineapple belong on a pizza? (laughs) I know what your answer is. No. Yes. (laughs) That's the wrong answer. (laughs) Matt. I can't believe you said yes. As long as on my pizza. What's I mean, th- I'll eat it. I don't, I don't understand it. I, I just don't understand pineapple on pizza. <laughs> it's, a, it's an abomination. What's the best Robin Williams movie? Miss Doubtfire. Wrong. One hour photo. You can't, you can't Hook. ask me for, and then say wrong. wrong. Like, like, These aren't opinion questions. Oh, my God. <laughs> These are yes or no questions. I can't believe it. I like Hook. That was good. And no. it's a pirate that would kill a ninja. Yeah. He lost, no? I don't know. Yeah, bro. No, he's still. He lost. Would you rather have Did, feet- did you hear the, the um, conspiracy that... Captain Hook was actually trying to save the kids from Peter Pan. No. Yeah. Is that, that one of the another one of those flipping the correct? Who was yeah. the good guy? Who was the bad guy? Yeah. Thing. There's like a big conspiracy. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes. yes. <laughs> that, I think yes. that was like your fastest answer. You have strong feelings it's Christmas about movie that one. In my house, yes. One and two. One yeah. and two. It's my son's favorite thing to say. <laughs> and three too, right? Three was Christmas. Yeah, three was on around Christmas. I don't remember. Yeah, with just, a vengeance. Just yes, yes. <laughs> All the diehards, except for number six. Is Nickelback a good band? <laughs> Who's that? <clears throat> no. If you say yes, you gotta say a song. I don't know <laughs> who that is. Oh wait, Nickelback is like uh like Blink One Eighty Two like that. 
No, it's like no, a band that wrote the same song like 17 times. I don't know who they are. And look at this photograph. I'm sorry. You, you're not. I'm, I'm good. Pass. I, I do remember you saying you don't care about music and you don't go to concerts, right? Correct. Wasn't that you? <laughs> Matt, yeah. name a famous person you would love to meet. Uh, oh, God. You can't say Jairus. You already met me. <laughs> it's true. I've already answered that question. And your dreams came true. Yep. <laughs> I want some tiki drinks. Flats, flats or drumsticks? Oh, flats. That's the correct answer. That's what we all said, right? Yeah. Eh, a couple people say drumsticks, but they're wrong. They're they, just they, a lot of people have been overcooking them lately, so I just I transferred to flats. Because they overcook the drumsticks? Yeah, yeah, they like, it's so weird. Like dry them out? Yeah, correct. Wonder why? I don't know. They just can't Why cook. it's all of, all of a sudden become an epidemic? Facts. Best fast food french fries, defend your answer. Does boardwalk fries count? Uh, any any kind of fry. <clears throat> My favorite is boardwalk fries because it's peanut peanut oil and lots of salt and lots of vinegar. What yeah. would the name of your biography be? Don't fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One more question, Jerez. Oh, my God. How dare you? That's it. That was <laughs> it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that didn't land like I thought it would. How dare I? Um, uh, what would you do for a Klondike bar? A lot. I like Klondike. It's pretty good. I like all. Would I you do. wear flip flops? I would wear flip flops for the first time ever. Thong flip flops, like Will. So I added that question in because Klondike turns 100 this year. Holy shit. And my wife's... Collab. Uh, collab. <laughs> now when you, you agree with someone, you can just say Klondike instead of 100. <laughs> yeah. And uh, my yeah, wife's... Keep it Klondike, dog. My wife's grandmother also <laughs> turns 100 this year. Mm. And my wife messaged the Klondike Instagram account and told her like she's always loved ice cream and Klondike bars and they're going to send her all kinds of stuff since oh. they're both going to be a hundred this year. That's amazing. So we, I'm we glad definitely they'll collab with them. I'm glad. I'm glad your answer wasn't. I hate Klondike bars. I'm disgusted. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> all right, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, I look forward to trying your two collaboration beers on August 13th during round three at four score. I assume that's when they're being released, right, Ben? <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, everyone, for ben listening. Said yes. <laughs> Thanks. Cheers. Thank you, guys. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh, my God. That's good. <laughs>